Hello and welcome to episode 13 of Cut the Clichés, the show which gets behind the jargon and buzzwords of business, technology and sport. I'm your host Liam Fitzpatrick, founder of Comswork. Look us up online if you're a business leader looking to reach your audience through PR and content. Every week we ask a guest to guide us through their specialist field and in the second part of our focus on data in sport we enlist the help of Ian Partilla who is the Head of Global Revenue and Sports or VP of Sports at GumGum. Our focus of our chat was around the opportunities in sponsorship and digital media. Ian and I sat down in the quietest area we could find at uh, sport accord recently in this episode we discuss his role at gum gum the opportunities for sports teams and how they categorize their digital and social assets the role of ad tech in sports and what the future of technology could mean for brands in space as ever if you like what you're here or you're bored and fancy helping us out please rate our podcast on your platform of choice and leave your feedback on the comms work blog page we'd love to know what you're thinking Enjoy this week's episode. So welcome to Cut the Clichés. I'm your host, Liam Fitzpatrick. With me today, I have Ian Partilla, who is the Head of Global Revenue and VP of Sports at GumGum. Ian, welcome. Thank you very much. Ian joins us uh, live from Sport Accord, where we are today in the Gold Coast. Um, how's the event been for you, Ian? Um, it's, it's been excellent. You you know, when you have a group of sports, of, uh, of, of professionals um, as senior as this group has been um, or is um, when you have um, you know a gathering place as nice as Queensland um, is and then you know the history of Sport Accord you know being the gathering place for all the sport federations with decision making in Olympics happening with um, you know here with World Congresses happening for the federations and then for brands and marketers and, and technology companies like ours to all get together in one place it's a pretty powerful it's a pretty powerful platform. Yeah, definitely. And when there's so much sport on the horizon to look forward to with the Rugby World Cup later this year, uh, the Olympics just 18 months or so away, yeah. uh, there's lots to discuss. Yeah, there sure is. And um, you know what's also interesting about Sport Accord is you know when new sports come and show up and new communities that have never hosted a major event come and show up and you know, and share what they have to, to bring to the world of sport and to this platform here at Sport Accord to present themselves in a, in a manner um, to attract uh, sport to, to their communities. Um, and then, like I said, the, the new sports that come to show that there is innovation um, in our space, uh, even on the playing surface, the actual athletes is pretty cool, too. Which has been your favorite new sport that you've learned about here? Something that, uh, that, that I think has been um, pretty impressive in terms of growth over the last couple of years that I would appreciate and spend some time talking about here is netball. Hmm. It's, a, it's a sport, you know, primarily, well, for women, right? It's, a, it's something that a lot of people um, point to and say, oh, it was um, or it had its birth in the schoolyard for, for children. And I think, you know, it's, it's amazing to have, um, you know, something that was you know, born of, you know, your days in school to move all the way into the professional ranks is the story that all sport uh, wants to tell. And then um, with the with the World Cup coming up here shortly with netball and with the growth of the sport, um, especially in all the Commonwealth um, nations, it's pretty, it's a pretty cool sport. 
Yeah, I think Super Netball in this country has really grown in the last couple of years with sponsorship and TV rights deals. Um, so it's on free-to-air TV over here now. Wow. Uh, it's it's fantastic, and I think it's only going in one way, and that's that's definitely up. Yeah, it sure is. And the athleticism that's uh, on display um, on that you know on that playing surface is is just fantastic. So some fantastic athletes. Mm-hmm. Well, could you tell us a little bit more about what you've been here talking about on stage as part of your visit with Gum Gum? Sure. So, um, you know, the, the, one of the major themes of this year's Sport Accord was big data and analytics and how um, technology could advance the conversation um, in, in global sport. So I was invited to, to sit and chat, um, you know, with, with all the folks here about specifically the power of AI in sport. And how you could leverage AI in, you know, human performance or brand performance, you know, to allow the commercialization ultimately of this platform to grow. And, you know, we all know that, you know, that you don't need a whole lot of technology in order to run a sport. How, you know, how beautiful is football, right? You pick up a, you pick up a football, you run around in the yard, um, you know, you put out a couple shoes um, to make your, your goal and you can say the phrase and cliche in, in the UK at least is jumpers for goalposts. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. bit, well, that's all you need. Yeah, exactly. That and a bit of grass or concrete, doesn't matter. Yeah, right? So, so you know, that simplicity um, of sport um, is something that, you know, is something that we all love, right? But in the same vein, I think sport every now and again has gotten a little complacent. Um, they have not adopted as quickly technology as other um, platforms have. So let's talk about a platform like medical um, or legal or automotive, um, or manufacturing, or transportation. You know, the Uber story is too easy to point to. Um, you know, practically putting out of business the taxi business that we all have known and loved for many, many years. And me from the States, the yellow cabs in New York, I mean, it's a trademark of, of the city, right? So, um, you know, seeing sport, um, you know, be a little slower to bring technology forward um, is one of the, you know, prettier things about sport. It also has left open uh, the opportunity for us to come here and have an entire conference dedicated to the conversation around big data and analytics. Lots of opportunity there. And where do you see, from the conversations you're having, what's the biggest opportunity that is ready from today that people can kind of implement? Sure. Um, So something that I learned uh, quite a bit about here was the way that AI is being leveraged for human performance. That's pretty easy, right? We have our wearables. Maybe you have a, you know, a particular watch brand that you like to have. There's three or four of them now that, that people are using to track their fitness. So that one makes a heck of a lot of sense. You, know, you see footballers, again, running around with their little vest on with you know, the, the little wearable on their back for GPS and for you know, other pieces of data coming off the, uh, coming off the pitch. Um, you see the desire um, in American football now um, for you know, wider use of instant replay. You know, so again, those are ways that, you know, the performance on the field is being directly, um, you know, influenced by technology. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. I mean, you, you think about an audience, again, if you'd like to go back to the U.S. for a minute, um, who doesn't know soccer or, you know, European football as well as, as, as uh, people do around the world. The use of the yellow line on the, on, the, on the television set to help better explain offsides. Yeah. Super simple, right? So that's, um, you know, been a lot of the topics that are typically talked about around sport and definitely at Sport Accord and, and we're present here. But, um, you know, I, 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 I see, uh, you know, a, a, a number of ways that AI is going to be able to be leveraged um, in the commercialization and the understanding of, um, you know, whether or not fans are interested or watching sport on different platforms. 
um, the time that they're spent on those different platforms. A better idea of where those fans live, uh, how much time they spend, um, and how much they actually watch particular programs, which is a heck of a lot more trackable um, using AI than it used to be with surveys and ratings points and those sorts of things. And I am I'm really excited about um, what that kind of provides to the world of sport moving forward and something that, you know, specifically GumGum is, is working on. So how has measurement changed in your experience? Because big data is great as a, as a, a vehicle to enable insight but it's only as good as the data going in on the front end of it so how right. how is measurement changing um, that you've seen sure um, what we like to to talk about you know with our particular business and I heard some of the folks here talking about it uh, from human performance and from um, technology and production as well um, using the the use of data um, is like you mentioned, only as good as what comes in, um, but also you need to add to that the so what factor on the way out. You can collect huge data sets, and if you don't know how to use them or put them into action or help decision making or drive value for your company, drive value for your athlete, drive value for your team, um, or maybe commercially create value for your partners, um, the so what factor is very, very important and something that um, while AI is interesting, artificial intelligence, human intelligence is absolutely a necessity on the back end to allow human beings to better understand the intelligence that we collect on the front end to provide that so what. And so what, what can uh, data be used for um, that maybe it's not being used for at the moment? What are some of the examples where you said there needs to be kind of a human reason behind it? What, what are some of those examples? So one of the big ones that I would say um, is not the easiest um, application uh, for uh, AI, but is one of the most necessary, is the tracking of social media. Right, yeah. Um, Thomas Bach, who's the president of the IOC, at the opening ceremony here at Sport Accord, mentioned the fact that um, the Russian Olympic Games um, were the most or the number one platform for viewing content and the consumption of content at the Russian Olympic Games. Um, the number one place for the viewing of that content was in your mobile device. To many of the you know the listeners to this podcast, that's you know not the biggest statement in the whole world, um, but for this industry, it it, it really is. Um, because many people um, still believe that that broadcast television feed that you see um, is still the only and the most valuable. And what we are noticing is the fact that 80% um, of brand images posted to social media lack any identifying text or hashtag. Wow. So if that is true, how can you track your sport as it goes out, over, out across social media? How can you track the most watched platform for a, uh, an event as big as the Olympics or the World Cup when it travels out through social media without it having any identifying text or hashtags? So that's, again, the knowing what you want to track and being able to prove success at the end of it. Otherwise, you're just measuring views, right? Correct. It's a, it's a very, very, very good way of putting that. Um, you must create these hypotheses and these discussion points on the front end in order to provide uh, the value on the back end. Otherwise, like you mentioned, you're just out there kind of chasing your tail. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you give us a little bit of background about your role at GumGum? Sure. Um, and the conversations maybe you're having with, with clients and how they're changing as well in the last 12 to 24 months? 
Sure. So um, first of all, Gum Gum Quickly um, was founded about eight years ago, um, and it was founded with a very, very simple um, hypothesis behind it, that hypothesis being um, if you could better understand uh, imagery um, on, 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 on anywhere across the, the Internet, um, what value could you generate uh, from that imagery? Really simple hypothesis. And once uh, GumGum got into um, the, you know, the, 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 the learning that was necessary and the testing that was necessary with the technology to have a better idea of what visual intelligence they were going to get after, uh, one of the first things that uh, GumGum created was an in-image advertising product that would allow you to put a contextually perfect advertisement on an image on a publisher website anywhere where that publisher was putting out content. So I can give you an idea of what that means. Um, there are a number of publishers um, out there um, in the ether, things like Time or Fortune or Food and Wine or Men's Journal um, or InStyle or Bonnier Group um, or USA Today or Reuters. They don't know exactly what all the imagery is on their site. GumGum provides a technology platform that allows them to see and understand what images exist on their publisher websites. So tiger manage. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a great description. So the e really simple way for the, the listeners here to um, think about it is, imagine if we were uh, trying to find, or if um, you know, a Star Wars movie, um, or you know, um, yeah, let's, let's go with that. Um, a Star Wars movie, or a new, you know, we're talking about sport, a new, a new football um, brand, Adidas, uh, was looking to um, place an advertisement in a contextually perfect world of only soccer imagery. Every time Gum Gum on one of these publisher websites would see an image of soccer or football, we could deliver an, an Adidas advertisement for those new boots on that actual image. So that is the in-image advertising product, the idea that you can put this contextually perfect, very small yep. um, advertisement right on the image I'm inside these publisher websites because we know how um, amazing some of these premium publishers are and how much content they control. And how trusted they are and as a place to, to go for news. Yeah, and, and how trusted they are by brands mm. as a place to go and advertise. Yeah. So that's in-image advertising. What Gum Gum Sport um, did about 24 uh, months ago or so, um, what, the, what, what we did with Gum Gum Sports is we took the same similar um, type of technology, but we said, what if we created um, a, a way that you could detect sport? Because if you could detect sport, then across the entirety of social media, when sport kind of proliferates out into um, you know, the world that we live in now, if you could very quickly say, this post on Instagram is sport, you now have a data set that would allow you to know that all these posts in this bucket, when you see the entirety of social media coming at you, our sport and then you could dissect them out is this baseball is this major league baseball is this the yankees versus the red sox are they at home or are they away on either one of their fields and then you could dive deeper into that environment that you're now in and say where are all of the sponsor uh where are all the sponsor placements and where are all the value that's ultimately being generated by those sponsor placements and that's what gum gum sports has done we've created an advanced measurement system that's allowing teams, leagues, brands, agencies, athletes, and agents to better understand whether it's buy side or sell side, how much money is being created by the proliferation of this content out into the universe yeah. for sponsors. Because when you take something like sports that people care so much about, and there's such a passion there, they're going to share it, right? On That must be, I don't have the statistics here, but one of the most uh, shared categories of um, content online 
would be sports, presumably. It, it 100% is. Um, and while I don't have that exact um, stat <laughs> either, um, it's probably something we can follow up on. I was going to say, um, it must be something you guys can Yeah, I will, I will definitely get something over to you. Um, but um, what you see um, in these, you know, think about the way that you view content. Think about the way that, um, you know, your mates view content. And you know, when you're at the game, you want to take a picture of yourself at the game. When you see an amazing play, you want to get a photo of that shot. Um, when your team wins, loses, yeah. you want people to know how you feel about mm-hmm. that. Yeah, absolutely. Good right? or bad. Yep. <laughs> and when you ultimately take that shot of the playing surface and there's a perimeter LED ribbon around the field, that use that perimeter LED ribbon or the sign that circles the field um, to keep it very simple. Um, that sign probably has, you know, a major auto brand on it or a major beer brand on it or a major betting brand on it. And that was originally designed, that type of advertising and sponsorship was designed as a broadcast element that drove broadcast value. When you now sit and share that highlight across the entirety of social media, is that a broadcast only element or is that a 360 degree omni-channel always on highlight or clip that's driving value that ultimately wasn't originally planned for all of those other platforms yeah because how do you keep track of it i've heard of um people being able to geofence the stadium and perimeter advertising so that if you're in a uh, a certain region you'd get different advertising than you would um, than if you're in europe say compared to asia Yes, that is absolutely happening. And you also have, um, you know, the ability for people to virtually insert advertising Mm. um, for different regions or to virtually insert advertising just for TV. This is kind of the beginnings, again, going back to where we started of technology being adopted in sport. Yeah. But it's going to get rapidly more interesting than that. And what we are so excited about at GumGum is we built this base business around in-image advertising. What could we potentially do? Yeah, what could we potentially do in sport with that idea? So where are you seeing um, things moving in the next kind of 12 months? Yeah, so over the next year, um, with the, you know, as content continues to spread and as we get our arms around it better and deliver to teams, you know, year over year understanding of, you know, the intelligence of where that content goes, we are learning more and more quickly what is good advertising and what is bad advertising? What is good branded content and what is bad branded content? What is the type of content that really gets people um, engaged and talking back and forth? And what is content that just sort of goes out there? So that's one really great thing that is going to come out of the first couple of years. It's being able to the measure data. the effectiveness, yes, basically, measure. of someone's campaign sure measure the effectiveness but just the collection of that data like we said when we started without multiple years worth of data then you really can't talk about the end game which the end game for us was what value is it ultimately Mm -hmm. driving and it's not just simply sponsor value so that is really exciting for us once we get past that and we're arguably already there we would like to see um, the next step which is teaching our teams our leagues our brands to expect more from one another. So (laughs) from a brand side, have the brand side in the beginning go to a team and say, I'm expecting these key performance indicators, these KPIs prior to the season. I'm expecting X million impressions from you. 
you know, team owner. I'm expecting X number of engagements from you, team owner. I'm expecting 15 branded content programs that we do throughout the season. A lot of that sort of contractual language exists, but they leave it there. That doesn't have it at the moment. Yeah, but they leave it of 15 branded content programs this year. So what? So 15 branded content programs this year that ultimately all generate a million impressions and engagements. And we are going to develop- so no quantifier, basically. Yes, there's, there's, no, there's, yeah. no, there's no KPI yeah. that everyone is holding one another to. And what Gum Gum has already created is almost like a stoplight, a green, yellow, and red way to track throughout the season. Are we on track towards our key performance indicators for our brands? So we know 100% that we are delivering what we said we would at the beginning of the season at the end of the season. And where do you see advertising changing in sport based off of the technology that now exists? Yeah, so that's the next step, right? Mm. So just getting brands and teams to talk about KPIs is huge. (laughs) And that's going to be really (laughs) exciting because what that does for a team, to go back one step quickly, is the team has a finite amount of impressions that they ultimately create during the season. They did not know what the number of those impressions were before we came along exactly. They had estimates at best on broadcast, and now they have the entirety of social media. So what they were doing for many, many years is delivering a sponsorship, and that sponsorship would deliver, let's go with 10 million impressions for the year. And let's say the the brand paid a million dollars. That was their guesstimate. With social media being 50%, 60%, 70% bigger than just broadcast, you're not delivering 10 million impressions. You're delivering 17 or 20 or 25 million impressions to the team for 1 million. You should be able to go to the team, uh, if you're the brand, and say, I expect this many impressions. And the team should be able to go to the brand and say the same. And what that will ultimately do is allow the team to keep hold of more of the impressions that they generate. And in the end, they'll be able to sell more sponsors into those impressions because they didn't know they existed in the first place. So that's really, really cool. So it's basically allowing them to have a bigger oversight of their own inventory Correct. that's going to be created throughout the season. Correct. Now, your next question was, where does, this, where does the technology um, kind of take the next leap? And the next leap we want to see, um, again, with the idea that we've already, we, we programmatically insert um, a, a large number of advertisements in the in-image advertising space for our publishers. So programmatic, right, means that you can go um, into some sort of portal and automatically buy um, a certain number of impressions for a certain price based on demand that day, that hour, that minute, that month, that year. And how much you're willing to spend. And then how much you're also willing to bid, right? So it becomes a a democratization of impressions. Mm. Well, imagine a world in sport, and we know that we are not that far away from this, where we teach teams that if you give, team, you give your brands 100% share of voice of that LED ribbon around your field, and then you actually track it everywhere where it goes throughout social media, you will have delivered a heck of a lot more value than you used to. That's good. Now, if you could deliver 100% share of voice on every corner kick, that is a more valuable position than just 100% share of voice on the LED, LED ribbon in general play. Again, we're talking about soccer, mm-hmm. European football. Because we know that there's a higher likelihood of scoring goals off that corner. And if you have 100% LED ribbon around the field on a play that ultimately could create a highlight and highlights travel across social media, 
all of a sudden you've sold an asset that is more likely going to create a highlight, therefore it's more valuable. So that would be an interesting way for GumGum and teams to start delivering to brands even more premium content that they could buy from the field of play. And we were able to do that by tracking things like natural language processing, tied to everything that we know about the game that we have today, and using computer vision to watch the game live. So those three things are, again, that's, again we're still in a fairly easy place. Yeah. Where we start getting really interesting is imagine a world where programmatically there is an exchange for LED ribbon or for any sort of dynamically inserted advertising in sport when it's in the fourth quarter of a game. So teams could open up their fourth quarter or late second half inventory to the exchange. Time, yeah. yeah, right, or overtime. Yeah, um, yeah the power of, um, you, you suggested the deaths, right? <laughs> yeah. um, the power of, um, of extra time um, in, in soccer. Um, but imagine if you could dynamically go into and the computer could price it. Um, the exchange would operate in a way where um, people are bidding. And ultimately, we are filling LED ribbon into the most interesting games yeah. for the highest amount of money. And how about the, the, the least interesting games? There's nothing wrong with those either. You could buy those at a better value. So brands could go after least, little, least uh, games that were not as interesting, mm. or they could go after last night's Tottenham game. I was just thinking. Right? Tottenham in the 96th minute must oh. have... Uh... That would travel everywhere, yeah. considering the comeback. Sure. Now, one of the last things that we think um, is really interesting for us to consider um, as a futuristic um, you know, moment that teams should start selling, it's they should have a better handle using data that we will provide on big moments that their players are going to have each season. So is a player going to get their 100th cap this season? Or are you sure that the player is going to retire at the end of this season? Why not sell the entire last game of a player's, um, you know, their, their last game in that uniform um, to one brand, and that is their whole sponsorship for the whole year? That is really, really interesting. You could charge mm -hmm. a huge premium for that, and brands would be very interested in it. What if you are Nike, and the athlete is Tiger Woods, and it's the last time Tiger Woods is at some huge golf tournament, and, you know, he's doing his last walk-up 18, and you would be able to fill the 18th, um, because LED ribbon's coming to golf, of course, fill the 18th all, with all Nike. And that moment of him walking down the, uh, you know, down or up the 18th towards the 18th green is the, the highlight for the rest of his life. Um, so those are the types of things that we would like to see as well. Yeah. Uh, a quarterback in American football thrown for 50,000 yards. It's not that hard to determine when that's going to happen. <laughs> um, a hundredth cap for a player. Not that hard to figure yeah. out when that's going to happen. Hundredth wicket for a cricketer. Excellent. Et cetera, et cetera. Excellent. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Fantastic. Well, look, we're almost out of time. Ian, thank you so much for your time today. Thank Appreciate you. It.